0: I stood in the wrecked bathroom and stared into the sliver of broken mirror, trying to recognise the gaunt, unfamiliar face that stared back at me. I couldn't help but wonder what the hell he was doing there. I was still looking to those dark ringed eyes and that weathered face when I heard a cry from outside, the agonised, animal-like howl of a man grievously injured. I instantly spun on my heels and grabbed my body armour, rifle and medical bag from the balcony and ran downstairs. By the time I had negotiated my way through the barricade of furniture and reached the ground floor, The c were already dragging the wounded Kurd into the courtyard, out of the immediate range of the ISIS snipers. He looked about thirty, but was probably younger, and in his eyes burned a fierce look that was more than shock. It was a determination to survive this outrage inflicted upon him. I could see beneath the blood-soaked shirt the jagged hole of an exit wound on his back, about the size of a two-pence piece. It gave me a gaping view inside his body, but the exposed flesh and shoulder ligament was barely bleeding. It was not a good sign. I turned the groaning fighter over. Where's the entry wound? Where's the fucking entry wound? I yelled. I tore off the wounded man's shirt, searching anywhere on his torso that might correspond with the exit wound on his back. It felt like an eternity before I noticed the tiny black spot in the V of his throat, beneath his Adam's apple. Like a small pea-sized scab. Now what? It was too small to bandage. I turned the man over, packed the exit wound with gauze, and wrapped a bandage around him to hold it in place. Think, I urged myself, frantic to know what to do about the entry wound. Seconds were rushing by. Was he getting air into his chest? I decided to cut a chest seal in half and use that to plug the hole in his throat. His breathing seemed to stabilise, but he was fading in and out of consciousness as a result of major blood loss. I shouted at the Christians up on the balcony to radio for an ambulance to be ready at the defensive lines of the Kurdish militia, the YPG, behind us. The only thing that would possibly save this man's life was to get him out of there as soon as possible. When he awoke, his eyes locked onto me with a ferocious stare. He was fighting for his life. I was desperate to help him win his battle. I'm a pretty big guy and reasonably fit, though a couple of weeks on the front line with a poor diet soon leaves you out of shape. I managed to pick him up and start running in the direction of the YPG lines. My strength came from pure adrenaline mixed with frustration and determination. A giant palm tree felled by an airstrike that had destroyed a neighbouring block of flats a few weeks before blocked my path. Even before I reached it, my lungs were burning. The heat of the day was like an oven, and every time I opened my mouth to gulp in air, I could feel precious moisture being sucked from my body. I tried to get more oxygen, but my swelling chest was constricted by my body armour, which gripped me like a vice. Sweat was pouring off me, getting in my eyes like the flies buzzing around my head with impunity because I had no hands free to swat them. My thighs felt like they were on fire, and my back too was screaming in protest at this unexpected exertion. After 150 metres of fast walking under the weight of the injured man, sticking as closely as possible to the buildings that fringed the street, I began to flag. Some of the Christians were running with me, and without needing to be asked, they grabbed the man's shoulders and legs, and together we half ran, half stumbled to where the ambulance would be waiting near the YPG positions. There was five of us now, but we were clumsy and bumping our casualty on the ground, as we tried to hold onto a limb while still running. I knew we had to be more organised, I spotted a carpet buried under rubble in an abandoned building and yanked at it with all my might to free it from the bricks and concrete. Put him on the carpet, I yelled. With one of us on each corner, we made much better progress, but by now the Kurd fighter was deathly pale, and as we ran he was regularly blacking out. A couple of times I thought we'd lost him, and then he would suddenly come to with a loud gasp for breath and lock eyes with me once more. For a few seconds he would hold me with a look of pure defiance and then his eyes would roll back into his head and he would collapse into a faint again. Keep running, I urged the exhausted Syriacs. The heat was suffocating. As we got within a couple of hundred metres of where the ambulance was meant to be, I rushed ahead. The armoured vehicle arrived at the rendezvous point just as I ran up, panting, exhausted, and I threw open the back door and told them exactly what the casualty's wounds were. He needs fluids urgently, I gasped. I turned to run back to help carry the makeshift stretcher but the Cyrix had been joined by others who were helping. Together we managed to hoist the casualty into the back of the vehicle. I waited for another convulsive gasp for air and that defiant glare, but none came. We slammed the back door and the ambulance sped off.